Being in a band is one of the most exhilarating and exciting things a person can do. But if you're in a band just starting out, where are you supposed to play? Today on Music Drives Us, we do a deep dive into the construction of DIY club spaces and what pushes these people to put on concerts in their homes. We are joined by Matt from Brinstar, one of the biggest DIY club spaces in Boston. Let's find out what drives him. So I want to dive into a little bit of your background. So when did your love of music all, like all start? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I grew up listening to, you know, whatever was on my parents' iPod, whatever was on the radio, all through elementary school. And then in middle school, I found my dad's Nirvana CD collection. And that was a huge watershed moment for me because this music was so different from mm-hmm. everything else I heard. It was so angry, <laughs> so emotional. And... That's really what kickstarted my whole love of music, which is, you know, grown into this conflagration, which has consumed my entire life in a good way. Um, <laughs> and I expanded on that in high school. I was very fortunate to attend a high school that had a radio station there. So that's wait. Yeah, <laughs> really? I've, one, ne- I've never heard of something like that before. Yeah, it's one of the few high schools in Massachusetts with a high school radio station, which is really cool and very formative for me because suddenly I was around all these other people and they were a little older than me. They had cool music tastes and I, was, I felt like a sponge just soaking everything up around me. Started listening to all sorts of stuff, all sorts of genres. Wow. Yeah, and that's how I got started. That's really cool. I've, I've never, ever heard of a school having a radio station in my entire life that's very interesting how so when you were meeting all these different people obviously they're from different grades and everything Mm -hmm. what music were they introducing you to so i think one of the biggest bands that i started listening to in high school was modest mouse Mm -hmm. and they had that same emotional angst to it but also a little more depth than some of the nirvana songs which i really enjoyed Mm -hmm. and and meeting these other kids it was really cool for me because some of them were doing really cool things outside of the station. Mm-hmm. In fact, I had this one friend whose thing was every summer he would throw a do-it-yourself show in his parents' barn. And everyone from high school would go. Mm-hmm. So you'd have a uh, little barn out in the country <laughs> with about 200 kids there oh all there to see some rock and roll stuff happen. That's really cool. Were there people in rafters and yeah, people <laughs> hanging from the rafters? Oftentimes, those people were in the band playing, which yeah. was very fun, That's very awesome. cool. That's really cool. It was a pool, was- <laughs> so people could run into the yeah. pool, and if they were weren't interested, they were like, oh, "Okay, I can I can leave for this band, but if I want to come back and enjoy." Yeah. Uh, that's really cool. A constant cloud just <laughs> hanging above everything. Yeah. It was a good time. That's awesome. That's really, really cool. So moving on from high school into college, did you follow the radio station aspect into college? Oh, absolutely. I, I didn't know exactly which clubs I would I wanted to join when I got to college. I did know radio was going to be one of them. Mm-hmm. So that was the first thing I signed up for. And I remember at my first radio meeting, standing there watching the general manager of the station talking, I was like, this is so cool. I'm so happy to be a part of it. That's awesome. Yeah. So was the radio station putting on shows while you were there in attendance? Well, it was it was a little bit more of an open mic scene mm-hmm. at that point in time. But once I ascended the ranks, became a sophomore at uh, the college I went to, I 
got a board position as the executive music director there. And then we began having a lot more shows, which is very nice, but it was also definitely a learning process. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot to put on a good show and there aren't a whole lot of uh, do-it-yourself manuals on how to assemble a rock and roll concert. So I was going to say it must have been difficult, especially at a concert, but did you have financial backing from the school to get you certain equipment and locations if you needed it? We did, and also to pay the bands, which <laughs> uh, I'm sure they're very grateful for. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. Yeah. Um, that's good that you were paying the bands, especially in college, because the exposure helps, but also the money definitely helps a lot more. So you can't need exposure, right? Yeah, exactly. So you put on some shows in college, you had the financial backing of the school, you finally graduate college, Mm -hmm. you're moving on from this. Did you ever expect to continue to do do it yourself shows? Did you always imagine that you wanted to do it outside of college? Well, that's a good question. Going through college, it was really cool to be putting on my own shows. But the best shows to go to were the ones that weren't sanctioned by the school. They were the ones happening. They weren't strictly above board. They were happening in people's basements or their backyards. And those were really cool because mm-hmm. you never know what you're going to see there. You never know who you're going to see there. Uh, you could be a bunch of local bands. It could be someone touring from Seattle. And uh, it was just a really cool time awesome. to go check them out. Um, can you speak upon some of the venues that you went to in that area? Because I know that, so you went to Westfield state, which is a school in Western Massachusetts. Can you name some venues that might've existed in the past that were in basements or in backyards that you went to that you experienced? Yeah, sure. So the first place I went, which kind of started my whole interest in having a show house Mm -hmm. was this place called bling mansion. And (laughs) it was undoubtedly one of the worst diy spaces i've ever been to and it was amazing <laughs> really? it was just a you know a small finished basement everyone would cram in there they'd have a big uh, pa speaker on a pole yeah and it would blast music directly at your face if you didn't have earplugs you you wouldn't be able to hear you know the lecture your professor gives you the next morning yeah. so and it was just an amazing experience That's everyone awesome. came out and had a good time together that's cool. So there was definitely a, a scene mm-hmm. in in that uh, in Western Massachusetts that you can speak of that existed while you were there. So you tried to sort of replicate the idea of it, create your own thing with Brinstar, I imagine. When you graduated, when you were moving out of your house and figuring on figuring out of going into Boston, did you have that in mind initially, like creating a club space? Yeah, that was definitely part of our our thought process when me and my friends were looking for an apartment in Boston. I mean, we had seen all these really cool show houses out in Western Mass in the Amherst area and had the, like the flip, the shuffleboard, Bling Mansion. Uh, and then we decided we wanted to do that in Boston. And Boston had a really fertile ground for that. I mean, there's so many colleges, so many students studying music, mm-hmm. studying art, and they, they want places to go. Mm-hmm. So it definitely seemed like uh, a ripe opportunity. And when we were looking for houses, we found one with a really good basement. We were like, this could be perfect. That just blows my mind. They're like, this basement is the best yeah. basement for concerts. It's just like, yeah, that's the first thing that you think of. I want to speak on what you mentioned about UMass Amherst, because it's funny. Mm-hmm. That's where the Pixies went to school. So right they on. started in that same kind of scene of Western Massachusetts playing those small areas. They 
even have a song called UMass. So it speaks upon how they went from those small areas almost 40 years ago at this point and jumping into the big realm of who they are now, like being the inspiration of Nirvana. Kurt Cobain has gone on to say he loves the Pixies. He's stolen some pa- uh, riff patterns from Black Francis, I believe his name is. Yeah. So I do think yeah, it's interesting yeah. that you mentioned that. UMass is a great song. Same thing <laughs> with Dinosaur Jr. I yeah. mean, they all started out somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's amazing. So you finally find the place. You get into Brinstar. You see the basement. You're like, this is it. How'd you come up with the name? Well, the basement, when we first moved in, it needed a little bit of work. There were a lot of rusty nails everywhere, a lot of old boards sticking out in random junctions. So kind of dangerous? Very dangerous. Yeah, the, <laughs> the floor had a bunch of holes in it, and mm-hmm. if you... If you jumped on this concrete floor, you'd notice it would kind of bounce, which uh, was a little scary. Yeah, I was going to say, so the foundation wasn't very... Uh... <laughs> it wasn't as solid as it could be. And um, it reminded me and my friends of a map in the game Super Smash Bros. Melee, where mm-hmm. the, the fighters in this game would be balancing on this platform that would occasionally dip into a, a lava-filled pit. Mm-hmm. And that map was called Brinstar. And I was like, well, this is perfect. It just fits the vibe of this space, you know, like a glove. That's so. awesome. That's very cool. So when shows were first happening, were you a part of a band that made you want to perform? Did you want to put on a show in that basement at the time of starting out? Yeah, that was definitely part of my motivation was I had a band at the time and we wanted to get gigs. And one way to get a gig was to have a space where you could play. Mm-hmm. And another was to trade gigs with other people who mm-hmm. had DIY spaces. So that's how it started out. But then after I started playing, I realized that I liked uh, throwing the shows more than I liked playing them. It was a little lower stress for me mm-hmm. and it was so fun to see everyone come out. So you had more of the drive to put on the show because it was less stress for you, but also a lot more enjoyable because you could see all these amazing performances, right? Yeah. And a lot of the people who I'm hosting are my friends, but a lot of them aren't. A lot of them are some of my favorite bands who are on tour. And that's really cool to be able to see some of your favorite bands come through and play at your house. So the initial motivation was just you just had so much love of music. You just wanted to see concerts. You wanted to be a part of them. And then having them in your house made it just so easy. Like the access was probably insane. What was that like having coming home every day from like work or something and just being told, hey, we're having a concert later. Are you excited? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I definitely had to uh, switch between modes very quickly, which was sometimes a struggle. But it was really enjoyable to just have that live entertainment happening right in my house, right in my basement. That's awesome. So when you started expanding a little bit i imagine when it first started out it was just amongst friends but Mm -hmm. soon i imagine word got out people were trying to get in how'd you manage getting people in while also keeping everybody safe and giving them access to good live music yeah i mean that's definitely a huge question that everyone who is involved in hosting diy shows has to contend with at some point is how do you keep people safe, but also make it a really accessible experience for everyone. So we take a lot of precautions, especially with COVID now. Mm -hmm. Basements are pretty unventilated, so you need to be really careful. So we make sure we check Vax cards. Mm -hmm. We check IDs at the door to make sure everyone is, you know, of age. Mm -hmm. We also have people wear masks and we enforce the capacity too. 
So we make sure that everyone's safe at our shows. And that's, that's super important. That That's really cool. And your shows are free, right? Like you, you, inc- you incentivize donations, yeah. but it, it's a free concert. It's a free show. And we encourage people to donate to the band because like we were saying earlier, exposure is nice, but you can't eat exposure. <laughs> and most people are happy to give a little bit to the band's. But we've never turned anyone away because they didn't have anything. You can't eat exposure. No, you I, I like that line. I like that a lot. So when people make donations, I imagine in the past, how did that help out with um, expanding the venue or making it feel a little bit more like a concert venue? Oh, yeah. Well, when we first started out, a lot of our gear was borrowed. We had <laughs> I, we had one PA speaker and then the other one was actually a Fishman guitar amp that we had just stuck a quarter inch into and it was it worked it worked very well for the time for but the time it was nice to have a little bit more money to work with so we could afford some actual equipment yeah and get an actual mixer mm-hmm. and i know the bands are really grateful for that too yeah so you want to have a professional feel to it because i know you have like a lighting system and i've seen a ton of pictures on your instagram that you have it's uh, if people want to follow it it's on instagram it's at brinstar boston it's br I-N-S-T-A-R, Boston, one word, all lowercase. Mm-hmm. It's really great. A lot of the photos that you've posted are very, very amazing photos of the energy and the feeling that you get from this venue and the lights that you guys have really stand out to me. So I imagine that helps a lot when it comes to um, showing off the bands and giving everybody this amazing club space feel. Like you, I really hope that people forget that they're in a basement while they're in there, you know? Yeah, and all that stuff is really nice. But it shouldn't be a barrier to entry for you if you're looking to start your no, own of DIY space, too. Mm-hmm. The equipment, the lights, the sound equipment, those all come with time, mm-hmm. right? The most important thing is to have like a group of people who you think would be dedicated to the task of creating a DIY space. Yeah, no, that I totally 100% agree. I 100% agree. I want to discuss on the success you've had. So what makes a successful DIY show? Well, it's a bunch of different factors. I mean, obviously the bands are the most important part because you got to have some bands that really rock if you want to have a good show. Mm -hmm. And then also the crowd too. I mean, every band is played to an empty room, but the cool thing about DIY shows is that you can usually figure out how many people are coming beforehand. So you invite all your friends, everyone knows each other and it feels like a really good party. So you can, yeah, okay, so it's it's a lot of, it's a very friendly environment and a lot of people who know each other so they can hype each other up and be like, be cheering each other yeah, on. And, uh, that's awesome. So is there a specific type of genre that works best for shows in the venue? Like, yeah. I imagine there's certain scenes that have specific types of genres with like the punk scene or the metal scene. They might have different feels in specific venues. So what works best for Brinstar, I would say? Well, I've always thought that punk was the, you know, the worst form of music except for all the others. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think punk is definitely the best uh, to see at a DIY show because it's just so loud and in your face. And that's exactly the vibe you get at a DIY show mm-hmm. It's just 
really loud music blaring at you through the PAs, blaring at you through the guitar amp. The bass amp is causing the the whole foundation of the house to rumble around yeah. you. And it just feels the crowd is always so wild. Yeah. It's truly awesome. So I can actually remember a DIY show that I went to. I believe it was at The Flip in Western Mass. And it was a band called Perennial. And they were one of the loudest punk bands I've ever seen in my life. And it was a guitarist, a drummer, and then somebody on like a keyboard, keyboards, I believe. It was, But it was a synthesizer with bass and everything. And I remember I saw people leaving because of how loud it was, not because of the band, because their sound was amazing. I love them personally. I had earplugs in, so I stayed. But everybody else was like plugging their ears and walking out because of how loud they were. So that's really cool that you mentioned the punk bands. Yeah. And I do remember that show actually perennial was so, so good. They're uh, and one thing we did learn pretty quickly when you do put on a punk show, you need to buy earplugs in advance and then hand them out at the door because otherwise people are going to lose their hearing. So you actually facilitate the sa- like the hearing safety of the people in the venue too. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Not many venues do that. I've never really, even at the major ones, they don't really sell hearing protection or they don't have it available for people. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like if you're buying a ticket to a punk show online, then you kind of know what you're signing up for. But a lot Some of people the times- don't care. Yeah, some people don't care, but also sometimes people don't know that the band's going to be that loud. I mean, (laughs) we had this one band play this winter called Black Beach, Mm -hmm. really, really great punk band. Uh, They're into some serious rock and roll stuff, but I I remember they were loading in and and dragging this massive bass cab, which is as tall as I am, down the stairs. And, and I'm you, like, you're a tall fellow, if I may say. You're like you're six six three, six yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. I'm so a pretty tall guy. Yeah, you're a very very tall man. So they person. have they have this six foot bass cab, and I'm like, are you sure that's big enough, guys? Like, <laughs> and they were so loud. They had a cinder block in front of the the, the kick drum, so, so it would prevent it from moving. Yeah, that, that is always a problem with drummers if yeah. they kick too hard. I I have experienced this myself. Having bands in your basement, have you had anybody record anything in your basement? Have you had anybody mention you in the liner notes of, say, an album if they've released something? Or in, have you been included in music videos or something like that? Yeah, definitely. We've actually had the opportunity to shoot a few music videos at Brinstar, which has been really cool. We That's just awesome. shot a music video for this band called Lurid Purple Flowers, which is coming mm-hmm. out very soon. And then our dear friend Campbell Facker filmed his video for the song triple shot in our basement as well oh right right he's a member of the band three mandarins that is correct is that correct right on it's yes. it's for his solo project check it out though on youtube it's pretty good yes i myself have seen that video and it is it is a very well shot music video and it's very fun and it's a great song i do love it now speaking of more bands the biggest band that you've had come through your venue hmm well we did have this band uh last fall called boy scott come through and boy scott boy scott not boy scout yep boy scott one word and they've always been like one of my favorite bands ever and when they were coming to play here there was a huge nor'easter that hit the very night they were supposed to play and we had to cancel the show Mm -hmm. but we were able to reschedule for the next night that's amazing we were able to get them in and they're pretty big they got like 10 million streams on spotify 10 million do they have the check mark on the on instagram and everything Ooh, so they're verified Having touring bands coming through your like house, basically, where are they staying exactly? Well, you know, some bands will get a hotel, but oftentimes touring is expensive and you're trying to cut costs. So sometimes we host bands at our house. 
which is really cool. You, you know, you wake up, you got this punk band sleeping on your living room floor. So you make them some waffles and, you know, it's a really cool experience. <laughs> so you, you will host the bands, have them sleep on your couches and make sure they're comfortable. Even if like they have nowhere to go after the show, they're like, Hey, we're, we're done playing, but we're not going we're going to Philadelphia tomorrow or something like that. Yeah. Well, they'll usually uh, give me a couple beers as a thank you, no but yeah, it's a really good time. And it's also fun to just hang out with the bands after the show. I was going to say, so them. do you have like a, a, a party with them kind of after the show and get to know them a lot better and talk about things other than the music that they play and get to know like the people for who they are? Yeah, we all hang out and that's, how you form connections. I mean, we, we hosted a band a little while ago and it was really great because I got to know all the members super well and establish those connections. And now anytime, you know, I want to play in New York, I got someone who will host me. When you're getting bands into the venue, how did you get people in? How did the bands come to you and say, we want to perform in your basement? Yeah, well, it definitely was slow starting at first. At first, you're just booking your friends' bands, but then word starts to spread and suddenly you're doing sound at the show and 10 different people come up to you and say, Hey, check out my SoundCloud, like, <laughs> book my band, man. Yeah. We're so good. And we, we ended up setting up a form that you can fill out on our Instagram. If you want to play Brinstar. That's really cool. Um, it's got about 500 entries right now. <laughs> so we'll sift through it when we can. 500. And you guys put on, so how many shows, in your peak, how many shows were you putting on in a month? Well, it's not, I'd say around five to ten. Okay, so and how many bands per show? And we'd have three or four per three show. Three or four. Five, yeah. All right, so you try to get like 40-ish type bands within a month. That's We're churning. So, yeah, so you just have a long list of bands, so hopefully people can, uh, you know, function with all that um, yeah, <laughs> waiting and whatnot. It's a lot, and not everyone who applies is going to be able to play, but mm -hmm. we try to give people a fair shot. Yeah, you definitely like check them out beforehand and make yeah. sure they fit the vibe for the scene. Honestly, yeah. if they're good enough, I assume. Yeah, I mean, lately, too, I've also tried to be more strategic about booking touring bands, too, mm -hmm. because DIY shows are kind of the bread and butter of a lot of touring bands. Mm -hmm. And touring is a really scary thing. You don't know if... You're going to have a place to stay everywhere. You don't know if you're going to actually break even or make money or if the tour is going to cost you money. So anything we can do to help a touring band, we're going to do. Yeah. So can you speak more on having touring bands at your venue? How has yeah. that affected the exposure? But also, how did they find out about your location? And because where are they coming from? Yeah, well, so touring bands can come from pretty much anywhere. And it's really kind of cool how this DIY network that started with people just starting a band in high school or college, it, it grows, right? And and mm -hmm. sometimes you see DIY record labels emerge. Okay. And they'll book tours for bands. And sometimes those tours will include venues like Brinstar. Mm -hmm. So you have a whole network, a whole community of people all just trying to do it themselves without involving official record labels or promoters mm -hmm. or any of that that's amazing so a giant community with the same motivation and goal of just creating amazing music for and with each other and all supporting each other at the same time that's amazing to hear having that especially 
having the exposure of touring bands coming through and everything. Now, having bands perform, how do you handle the noise? Because I know that you have a lot of equipment with PA systems and a bass amp. Do you have soundproofing in your basement? Because I assume there's neighbors that you've had to handle and deal with. And I really hope that you've had no run-ins with the police at some point because that would be very terrifying right on yeah that's definitely my biggest fear is annoying the wrong people and we did throw up some acoustic tiles on the walls there's some fiberglass insulation in the basement windows but the noise has never really been that much of a problem we keep our guests in check they're all pretty respectful of the place Mm -hmm. um we have a great relationship with our neighbors they're really accommodating mm-hmm. and supportive of the whole process, which is also super important if you want to have your own DIY space. And we've never actually had to deal with the police in any way. So like at all? Yeah. Never? It's been great. They, nobody's ever called the police on you? Because I've been to one of these shows at one point and it was we were in your driveway in the backyard. Mm-hmm. And it was like really late on like a Sunday night. And I remember nothing happened, but I remember the neighbors were clapping. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're supportive. They love it. That's they love awesome. the music. Um, I promised them that if I ever made it big, that I'd send them tickets to when I played the TD Garden. So um, <laughs> that's awesome. That's really cool. So you've never really had, luckily, any major issues while operating your venue, I imagine and hope. Yeah, and I, and I know that's a problem for uh, other places, but you just got to be smart about it. Mm-hmm. Be smart about what's tolerated at your venue and who's coming to your venue, and then also just be respectful of the people around you. Yeah, I imagine because of the space that you have, you don't allow moshing or any type of crazy behavior because it's a yeah, little tight. It's a little small. Yeah, yeah. so you don't want to have any rough housing. If it if it's more outside, you could maybe see it happening but that's because there's a little bit more wiggle room oh yeah those barn shows got real crazy so when you have concerts going on what are you doing like what what is your job in the sense of a show well the whole house is involved in a bunch of different ways so we could have someone working the door and what that means is they're checking people's vax cards making sure people know the rules of the establishment um I usually do sound, so I'll be behind the soundboard helping the band sound check, making sure everything sounds good, handling the lights. Mm -hmm. And then we also usually have a sober monitor, too, who just walks around the venue and makes sure everyone's safe. Is there somebody specifically on the mixing board for the lights making changes and whatnot, or do you have a button? Yeah, that's my favorite spot is to (laughs) just be doing the lights. Yeah, making everything look cool and changing all the stuff. That's really awesome. So... Are you the only club space that you can speak of in Boston? Are there other ones? Oh, there's so many. Really? I'd say there's probably about five to ten uh, ones that I know of. So really? we're definitely one of the bigger ones. There's another one that's on our level. And then there's several that have shows intermittently. So mm-hmm. every once in a while, they'll have a show. Nice. So when scheduling shows, I know you guys in the past. So you were running through the pandemic, but you were putting on shows very frequently from what I recall. How stressful was that for you putting on all these shows? And what made you just continue to do it, even though it might have been stressful and during such a dangerous time? Like, what was the drive to do it at that time? Yeah, well, obviously everyone wanted to to see live music during the pandemic, but we didn't actually have any shows until after the vaccines had come out. Really? And then... With the vaccines, we were able to start having shows again. But 
we did do some live streams and those were really fun where we just had a band play mm-hmm. and then we would post a video online somewhere. And I know a bunch of other places like Disposable America did that too, where they had live stream benefit concerts, which was really cool too. That's awesome. But yeah, there definitely was a niche for live music that uh, went unfilled for a while during the pandemic. Yeah, I was I was going to say a lot of people were without music and without playing with bands without seeing a lot of people so that itch to kind of get out and play must have Mm -hmm. been very big so i know that you guys have done other things besides the uh, basement shows and you've had art events in your driveway like in the backyard how have those gone yeah those are honestly some of my favorite things we've done at brinstar so last fall we had a renaissance fair everyone dressed up in medieval garb and we had all these art vendors there too was super cool um we had music in the basement and then this spring we had a pollination fest where we had a lot of art vendors we had people doing tattoos as well there was music there was food it was just a really good time that's amazing so you guys everybody's just coming together for this collective um creative just environment where everybody can have a great time and eat good food and yeah. bond. And that's, that's really cool that everybody is enjoying that because you can, I imagine most of these people, they don't do this in their everyday. Like this is, these aren't their jobs. Like you don't do this for a living. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot of people who have maybe a side gig making art. And this is a great opportunity for them to be able to have a place where they can vend where it doesn't cost them money to buy a table. Cause that was something that, I didn't actually know is that if you want to sell at an art fair, oftentimes you have to rent a table and it costs a lot of money to do that. So, yeah. So you, you really try to help out with other people and make sure that everybody uh, gets their voice heard in any type of aspect really. Yeah, absolutely. It's all about people helping people. That's core of, that's the core of the DIY ethos right there. That's awesome. So you just have the drive to help people is something that everybody has is that they want everybody to help each other. They want everybody to have a good time. And that's really amazing that you push for that mentality. And I really, really enjoy that. That's really lovely. Thanks, John. So Matt, I want to say thank you so much for being here and uh, I hope to have you again soon. Uh, Can you speak on the future of Brinstar and uh, anything that's going to happen, I guess? Sure. So what's next for you? So what's next for me is, sadly, I am actually moving out of Brinstar. No. <laughs> but don't worry, I'll still be involved. Okay, cool. I'll still be nice. booking shows there. And I think we're going to be working towards doing more record release shows, which is going to be super exciting, more touring bands. So actually, a quick question then. You've done record release shows? We have. We've had a couple. We actually just had one recently for... Uh, a band very near and dear to our hearts called Three Mandarins. They just released their self-titled album on Spotify. Go check it out and stream it. It's uh, amazing uh, cross-genre math rock, emo, slash power pop. That sounds very uh, interesting. Medley, yeah. It's, it's really awesome. But yeah, we've had a bunch of record release shows. That's really cool. That's very cool to hear. So you have things coming up. Um, are you taking a break into the month of july i heard is that what's happening right so we're taking a hiatus for july but we'll be back in august with some more great shows we're also going to be having a night market coming up in august Uh, so stay tuned check out our instagram for more details on that nice so the instagram for everybody out there it is at brinstar boston all lowercase 
It is B-R-I-N-S-T-A-R. Matt, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, really Sean. appreciate it.